We're going to be talking on the Holy Spirit. Um, could Danae and Nushi just come and share two words? Danae felt some stuff this morning as she was maybe in a dream or a prayer time. I don't know. She was taken to heaven. And then Nushi also had something to share. Um, so I got here really early this morning because Bruce is my husband and you get here freakishly early. <laughs> so it gives me good time to actually just sit down and pray. Um, otherwise, I'd be like coming out of bed really late. Um, so I just was praying and I just felt the, the just God um, laid this on my heart. Um, uh, he was just saying that um, that we echo, we're echoing the praise and glory that is happening in heaven right now. Um, I just saw a picture of the earth and um, just these like round echoes kind of going out um, up towards heaven um, and then I just uh, continued with the the glory of the father and, and son is pouring out on us overflowing from heaven and I just um, from reading in John was speaking how Jesus was going back to with the father and was being in the glory with God again um, and I was like, that's amazing. And just picturing that pouring down over us and how the Spirit is in us. And we can experience that here now that we're not separated from him any, any longer. Um, so, yeah, I just felt like God wanted to share that with all of us. And that's his heart today. Awesome. That's great. Nishi. Hi. Um, I felt very strongly today, Matthew eleven twenty eight, where... Um, Jesus says, um, come to me, those who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Um, Also, while I was praying, I just felt that God was asking us that if we truly seek him and learn how to fully activate the Holy Spirit in our life, that we will be led into all truth and that we shall never have to worry or fear about anything because we will just know. And that the knowledge that we will be given by the Holy Spirit, will make us confident, and therefore we will not perish. That's great. Is there still a little bit of a low hum? Is it fine now? Because I know that can be distracting. It'll be good. It sounds okay. Okay, so I love what Danae said. She said that we're joining in with heaven, and I really did feel like in worship, started whispered in my ear, she said, it feels like there's a fire starting. And, uh, and I, my heart always has been from a, as, as long as I can remember being a Christian was to, to see the power of God break out in a city. And, uh, and, and, and the only way we're going to see true transformation, we can be very clever around uh, our wording and, and get into government and all that stuff, and that all needs to happen. But the only way it's going to happen truly is when we pray for heaven to come down and the Holy Spirit to come and break in into our hearts and change us. So we want to lay something of a foundation this morning. I'm going to give a quick introduction. Starter's going to share a few points. I'm going to share a few points. And then we're just going to just trust God to come at the end. God is with us always. Sometimes he makes himself manifest amongst us. And, uh, and I, we, I really am trusting that God's going to come and break in and, tr- and change our heart. I want to read a quote by Francis Chan. He, Francis Chan is a guy that... Uh, that started out as a cessationist. Now, a cessationist is someone who believes that the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit ceased with the apostles. It's a teaching that is not from God. Can I tell you, if you're from that background, it's not biblical, 100%. We believe as a church that there's a continuism, that the Holy Spirit 
operated not only in the apostolic age, but in the, in the ages that subsequent to that. But anyway, so you can, you can map out through history, through early church fathers. They had different language for it, but people were being filled with the Spirit. People's lives were being changed. Uh, John Wesley used to preach, and people would fall out of trees under the power of the Holy Spirit. The Great Awakening, uh, uh, Jonathan Edwards' wife, who's, who's kind of the, the main dude in the Great, Great Awakening, incredible theologian, incredibly clever, went to Yale at 13 years old. Uh, his wife used to go into, like, into almost like a, be filled with the Spirit and go into a dream state. And he's like, okay, well, this is, goes against my theological training. This surely is not God, but this is my wife, and she's experiencing things that is very real to her. So Francis Chan said this, to give you a little bit of story there. He, he came from that background, but then got filled with the Spirit. He says, why would we, he wrote a, a book called Forgotten God, which is about the Holy Spirit. Why would we need to experience the comforter if our lives are already comfortable? Honestly, if you listen to Francis Chan, line by line, I can go and recommend anything he preaches. It just challenges you, you to the core. Jeremy and I would send each other stuff that Francis Chan had said because it just challenges you deeply. And I, I, we, we're a church that believes that, that, the, that in, in the whole trinity... Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus said that we must go baptize in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And it says, and command all the things that I've taught you to be taught to others. The things that Jesus taught his disciples was, was for the power of God to break in. The sick healed, the deaf, the deaf hear, eyes, blind eyes are open, uh, the, the gifts operate. And, uh, and God, can you just all put, point a finger to your chest? Say, God has given me a gift. Start, that's great. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. He's given you a gift. When you gave your life to Jesus, the, He has planted inside of you something, a tool to use for His kingdom. Uh, early on when I started in, in, in coming back to God, prophecy came quite quickly to me. I used to prophesy. Uh, then eventually the, the gift of preaching, the gift of these different things started to develop inside of me. It was, it was this little tool bag that started, God started to give me for, the, for His purpose and His glory and to see lives changed. Uh, we're a church that doesn't want to just have a slick meeting because I can come here and we can do an incredible meeting, worship pumps. Uh, we can have a 20-minute sermon. Everyone's like, yay, good word. I've got four points in a poem. But the Holy Spirit never pitched up. And your life is truly not changed because Sunday, how do you know if your life's changed? Sunday you get back to normal and, you, and you're thinking about the same stuff. You're struggling with the same sin. You, uh, you're still fighting with your wife. We are looking for transformation. And it's only once we understand who the Holy Spirit is and His role in the Trinity will there be true transformation in our hearts. I want God, uh, my heart and prayers that God permeates every part of our lives and walks with us. So, do you want to go for it? Yeah, from a personal point of view, um, I just wanted to share a brief um, video about the Holy Spirit's role in my life. And uh, a few years ago, I was watching the Paralympics and I just became um, fascinated by the dynamic of a blind runner running with his guard. And I just thought, wow, this is crazy. They cannot see. They're running with all of their heart around the track, around the corners. And you have this guard running alongside them, um, speaking to them, keep going, keep going, take a curve. And you could see the person, the blind running, leaning into the guard as he was running. And I thought, wow, that is such a powerful picture of the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. Because we are blind. 
We walk by faith and not by sight. It is the Holy Spirit that sees all things, that is the author and the beginning um, of life and knows the end, and so can give us direction and light the way. So um, can, we, can we play this video and just see as this blind runner runs, see the guide as the Holy Spirit and listen carefully to what they say. I think what I love is that we're in a race. God speaks often through the scriptures about we running a race. 1 Corinthians 9.24, do you not know that in a race all the runners all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. Acts 20.24, 20, however, consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. And at the end of that race, 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. And that is what the Holy Spirit does in my life, is when I can't see, when the future is not clear, and when I want to give up, the Holy Spirit is running alongside me, saying, I know what's in your future. Keep going, keep going. The finish line is coming. You'll see that she says, my God is so important to me. He's basically my eyes on the track. He helps me know where I am every stage in the race. We have a lot of communication She says, but I don't actually speak. The God talks to me. And we do need to have to get to that place where we are silent and actually hearing and making room to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. Every step of the way, she has to be in perfect sync with her guide. And the scripture actually says in Galatians 5.25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And the commentator said, isn't it scary? And she says, it is scary, but I have to have a good relationship with him, and it's about trusting him. So we've been in several scary situations, but it's been the Holy Spirit that has, has um, light the way for us. And if you just think about it, if you're husband and wife, or if you're not married, then brother and sister, just in the natural, if I had to go running, and Dan was talking in my ear the whole time, Go straight, go straight. I would just be treading so cautiously. I would be like, because your natural flesh wants to go in your own direction. Your natural flesh wants to run outside of the lines. I mean, if you step, if that blind runner runs outside of the lane, they get disqualified. And so they rely heavily on the guard to keep them on the lane that God has for them. He is our guard and he is our teacher and he's to be radically trusted. The Holy Spirit can be radically trusted. You know, I hear such reservation from people. They, they, you know, we, we receive God, Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and he is to be trusted. So, I know it starts putting an ad to a couple of things, but I, just if you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 John 4, verse 2. Before we start reading that, John 3, 8 says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So does everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, is, as Star was saying, is, is the most mysterious part of the Godhead. And I want to just clarify, just as some understanding, I think our Western the- theology, and I, this is what I grew up in, and systematic theology, is you have a section of a, of a systematic theology book which will teach on Father, then you go look at the Son, 
And then you go look at the Holy Spirit. Whereas in Eastern theology and even upper room where they were first touched by the Holy Spirit, there was, there was this real sense of the Trinity carrying unity. And uh, for me, we have to get back that, that the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, are one of the same. And I think if we understand the Trinity and the unity within the Trinity, we actually begin to understand this Holy Spirit's role. That is not this, this radical wild card that's, that's kind of separate to Father and Son. That, okay, I, I get the Father. I've got a, I've got a picture of that. I've get, I, I get the Son. He had a Son. But the Holy Spirit, it's like this mystery. Is it? And I think we have to clarify that, that simply the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit walks amongst us. The Holy, Jesus said it is better for, that I leave because I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit in my place. The word that's in my place, and it, it, it actually means one just like me. And the Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So we are, Jesus is in the Father. The Holy Spirit is in Jesus. We are in the Holy Spirit. We are, we are together and unified with Christ through the Holy Spirit. It's, I think if we understand that, we, we don't have to have any caution in our heart to who He is and what He wants to do in our lives. And we have to trust Him, like Stala says. I think trust is, is a key factor. It's like, you know, I, I trust you, God, that you're going to do stuff in my life. And I think once we hand over our trust, we start to see God come and break in and change our hearts. So 1 John 4 verse 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. And uh, the, I was speaking about Jonathan Edwards, who was a, a great Calvin, Calvinistic uh, theologian of the 16th, 17th century. And he, he used this to say, okay, well, God's doing some, some crazy stuff in this, this colony of, of America. Um, let's look what the Bible says about the Spirit moving. It says, by this you'll know the, uh, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is from God. So does, does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is still in the world. Little children, you are, uh, you are from God and have overcome them. For he, who has, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and, li- and the world listens to them. It's just uh, John's writing, just this, the two opposing things. You have the world and the voice of the world and you have the spirit of God and the voice of, of God. Um, verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Of error. Beloved, let us one, love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And I think those are, those are good things, because I think there's been, there's been times where people have been burnt by a, either a hyper-charismatic thing, expression where there's no good teaching around the Holy Spirit, or maybe you've come to a church service, and do you know what often happens, what I've seen, is that someone comes to church for the first time, and that's, that's the day that we're kind of emphasizing the Holy Spirit, and you're like, well, those guys are weird, I'm not coming back. And, and I think we really have, let's just be real about this. Let's erase that stuff out of our mind and let's look what the scripture says because clearly we don't have to worry about getting into error. If someone is coming preaching the Holy Spirit but is not preaching the exalting of Christ, you can, you can reject that straight away. But if the person is coming and the power of God is flowing through them and they're exalting Jesus through that, that man is from God. We know the men and women by their fruits. So if there's good fruit in our life, we can trust that God is going to do something. 
And, uh, and if I look throughout history, there's been moments in history where, where revival has broken out in people's hearts and lives, and it comes to those who are hungry for it. And going back to what Francis Chan said, he says, maybe we don't need the Holy Spirit or the Comforter because we are already so comfortable. In Dubai, we are comfortable. Can we, can we start to, and it, sometimes it may start with fasting. Depriving yourself of something so you can focus on something greater. So the first, the true marks of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, it honors the true Christ. Number one, the Holy Spirit honors the true Christ. And I think that's the most important thing about the Holy Spirit. If we're going to understand who He is, He's not there to exalt Himself or, or He did the miracles. He always points it back to Jesus who achieved stuff on the cross that is set in eternity for us. Jack Hayford, incredible theologian, man of God, says the workings of the Holy Spirit are invisible, glorious, and gentle, and within them he never tells us about himself. He comes to glorify Jesus, helping us to see Jesus more, to understand Jesus better, to respond to Jesus more obediently, and to love Jesus with a deeper heart of commitment. If, if you if you are touched by the Holy Spirit, and even today, if you, as you're trusting God to move and you're touched by the Spirit, if that doesn't happen in your life, those things where you're more in love with Jesus, you have to test whether that's from God or not. When we experience, when I know that I've had times where God has touched me sovereignly and it's touched my heart, I've fallen more in love with Jesus. Let, it, let that happen today in our hearts. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, therefore, what Jesus did in the Gospels, what Jesus did in the book of Acts through the Holy Spirit is the same then as it is now. I think people who build a theology that excludes the Holy Spirit are literally ripping pages out of the Bible. And, the, and God says we must clearly not do that. He says you, it says you are cursed if you do that. I, I, I honestly long for a church that is strong in the Word, understands the Word, but strong in the Spirit of God. That, that we know that the Spirit of God is the fire of God within us that, that rushes through us and changes things in our lives. We cannot be diminished to a few good teachings and a good little worship session. We need the power of God in our lives. The Holy Spirit exalts the great and conquering King. And I want to just, for us to understand that, that if you look at New Testament writing, there's there's like about a 60-40% ratio to what this, how they spoke about Jesus and how they spoke about the Holy Spirit. So it's pretty important that we understand what he's saying. But it, the Holy Spirit points, first of all, to the cross of Jesus Christ. It points towards total, utter forgiveness. There's a theological term called substitutionary atonement, which is uh, it's good for us to learn some theology because I think it makes us fall more in love with God, not makes us too clever, but we fall more in love with God. What that means is, that Jesus stood in my place, in Brian's place, in Jenny's place, in Ron's place, in Ryan's place, on the cross. He was the substitute of sin where I should have been on the cross and Jesus stood in my place. Through that, Jesus died. He was resurrected. And if you look at a lot of the New Testament Christianity, they didn't focus a ton on the cross, but they focused on the resurrection power of Jesus. That we have that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside you and me. I think I don't get that too much. I don't get, when I wake up in the morning and I've had too much meat the night before and I can barely open my eyes and I'm like, wow, the spirit who raised God from the dead is living inside of me. 
And I think that the, the more we begin to focus on that and, and let Scripture change our thinking, we're going to start to operate and do things in, in incredible ways that, that we would never have been able to do, to do before. I want to read something. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. Francis Chan said this, I want to live truly submitted to the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. Christ said it's better for us that the Spirit came, and I want to live like that is true. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. The Spirit of God empowers us to do stuff that we would never be able to do by ourselves. This, as a local church, is a miracle from God. That we somehow preach, and sometimes, if I'm being honest with you, I'm, getting, I'm like, God, I'm getting up and preaching an ancient text. People are coming because they're hungry for something, and sometimes we don't even know what we're hungry for. People's lives are being changed. Marriages are being changed. There's testimonies of people going. My mom went into a, hus- a hospital. Her cousin was on, uh, I don't know if he was dying, but he was in a really bad place with TB, you know, so uh, influenza, affluenza, what's it called? Influenza. Influenza, whatever. Affluenza is something else when you're really rich, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, emphysema, wow. Something really bad. So my mom... My mom goes in there, and she just, she's just like speaking to them. And my mom is the kind of lady who does have boldness and is not afraid to say, can I pray for you? So she prays for them. I don't know if they're believers or not. She prays for them. Two days later, he's out of his bed, and he's leaving the hospital. And my mom goes, I think, I think maybe my prayer did something. I'm like, mom, you prayed for someone, and two days later they were healed. And I think... We cannot ever put Jesus into a box that he just saves us from our sins, which is so beautiful and so glorious. And we're going to get to heaven one day and it's going to be perfect. And we are going to be perfect. And that is who, what Jesus came to do. But Jesus came to defeat the devil. He came to defeat demons. And he came to defeat disease. Jesus, if we diminish who he is, we're going to live a substandard Christianity. And I think we begin to diminish who God is if we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is in us and how He works through us. Do you know that at salvation, you were given everything? We spend our lives actually figuring that, but you're given forgiveness, so walk forgiven. Jesus dealt with the sin in your life. Walk like that is actually true. He's filled you with the Holy Spirit. He's changed your heart. He's changed your life. So you can go out and, and be free of yourself, be free of other opinions of others, and actually be able to change the world. That is, God has put a DNA in every single one of us to change the world, to change society. We are not meant to just live in our own little circle, make a bit of money, and then die one day. God has put the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. We are going to be resurrected one day with Him. But we operate in that same spirit. And that's what the New Testament Christianity spoke about. They spoke about another theological term called Christus Victor. That, that Christ is victory over all. His victory over sin. His victory over sickness. His victory over uh, uh, mental illness. He's, he is the victory of God. And please let us never diminish who God is. We need a higher view of who God is. And we need a higher view of the Holy Spirit. I knew at some point I was going to preach, so there you are. Um, 1 John 3, 8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy. Can we say destroy loudly? The devil's work. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. 
Are you struggling with sin in your life? Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Are you cherishing stuff in your heart that you shouldn't be cherishing? Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Are you carrying uh, stuff on your life, whether it's depression or anxiety or, or things that are holding you back? Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. His power is greater. His anointing breaks the yoke. Every yoke that you can think of, Jesus comes and he breaks and he changes. The Holy Spirit exalts the one and only true Christ. When the Holy Spirit breaks out and changes our hearts and lives, and I've seen the Holy Spirit working in this church, sometimes it comes in flashy ways. Sometimes it comes when uh, people may fall down, which is very biblical. You could go read about it. Some may, may not. Sometimes it's just, and for me, most of the time is I just, oh, wow, God, you're here. There's a reverence. There's an awe. There's um, God who walks with me. He brings the kingdom of God. Do you want to add anything to that? Um, so just the relational aspect of the Holy Spirit for me is so powerful. And I want to just show how intimate and how um, in the beginning of time, God was so relational that he created man and he created man to walk in the garden with him. And uh, obviously man sinned and, and separated themselves from God. And so he provided Jesus saying, I want to be reconciled to man. And so Jesus died in our place. And then Jesus says, now Jesus has ascended to the right hand and is currently interceding for us. And John 16, 7 says, but I tell you the truth, Jesus is speaking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so it is to our advantage Jesus says that he leaves the Holy Spirit, he sends the Holy Spirit to walk alongside us, to fill us, to resurrect us. And one of the marks, as Dan was speaking about, is one of the things that change is that we change from religious prayers, from just repeating after a, a religious figure, just dictating words that have been written, to spirit-led prayers, prayers from the heart. That's what changes in your prayer life when you know that you've been filled with the Spirit. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And the incredible thing as well is when I think about when I got switched on for God, I was in my teenage years, I obviously I compromised, and in a scripture spoke to me, start living a life worthy of the call that God had put on my life. He knew my future and the way I was living then didn't necessarily qualify me to, um, to inherit that future. And so the Holy Spirit was key in the sanctification process, which basically means that you are set apart for the purposes of God. And so from a very worldly um, environment where I was compromising um, and partaking of things that wouldn't please God, God slowly started to put his finger and nudge me in the right direction. And so it is not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about when you get saved, stop doing this, stop doing that. God doesn't overwhelm you in that way. He just walks alongside you on your lane and says, for, for the next thing that's coming, I can see what's coming. You blind, you can't see. For what's coming, drop the anger. And then you start to work on that and God starts to stir your heart. And, and he starts to empower you and give you the grace to start to work on that thing. 
And then once you've conquered and overcome that, because that's what God has called us to do, is to be overcomers, you start to run a little bit forward, and God says, oh, there's something coming up ahead. Guard your tongue. And so then you start to work on that, and you start to work on that. And of course, there's times when you trip up, but the Holy Spirit knows your future and wants to lead you into victory. That's good. I think that leads just to my second point. The Holy Spirit produces holiness. And uh, I said last week I saw a guy preaching and he said that gifts are given but fruit is grown. And the fruit of God is grown in, in our lives. But I think we have to look at the Holy Spirit as a two-sided coin. And we, for those of you at the marriage course the other night, the, the guy there used this illustration. But the Holy Spirit both empowers you to do good works. So there's the faith to do. But he also empowers you to walk away from sin. The Holy Spirit is an agent of power and an agent of holiness. He wants us to be more like Jesus, but he also wants us to do more things like Jesus did. And I think as we start to realize that that is the call of God on our lives, and actually Jesus had more issues with people who had lack of faith than people who were walking in sin. Jesus walks up to the lady who had, had sinned and says, your sin is forgiven and it's, and it's washed clean. But he, had, he, had, he, would, he would be astonished when he went into town and he says, I couldn't do no miracles because of their lack of faith. And I think if we're looking at the biggest picture of God, God actually has, he places a huge factor on, do you believe what I'm saying? And do, are you going to obey what I ask you to do? That is massive. Randy Clark says this, being afraid of doing what God commands is much greater than many defined and thus comprehend. It is not limited to moral or ethical behavior, but uh, to also obeying the commissions of Jesus and bearing the fruit of doing. So there's the fruit of being in the Holy Spirit, and there's the fruit of doing, operating in faith. And both of them, for me, lead towards holiness. Jesus has dealt with sin, but you can't be a... a, a, a Paul writes, I don't know, the writer of Hebrews says, he says, a lot of you should be teachers by now, but you need to go have some spiritual milk again. You need to go back to your mother's breast and start again because you, you haven't got the basics down. God is calling us to mature and grow in Him and walk away from stuff that is unhelpful in our lives and walk towards Him. And He gives us the grace and the power to say no to ungodliness. That's what the Bible says. So we grow in holiness and we grow in doing impossible things for God. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same Holy Spirit that does both. There's a, a, a couple... In, uh, in Mozambique, who's heard of uh, Roland and Heidi Baker? Just God's done some incredible stuff in their life. So I think for about 17 years, they, they went and they felt God say, listen, you're going to go there and you're going to go plant churches and, and do that. In, in 17 years, I think they planted two churches, small churches. It was a struggle. Everyone was sick. Uh, they, they were going through terrible, terrible times. They went to a meeting in the States got radically touched by the power of God, came back, and within a short period of time, say another 10, 15 years, they had they'd seen over a million people saved, 10,000 churches planted, they've started universities, schools, everything. And I think when we're touched by the power of God, it's not like we, we're all going to go out and, and kind of lay hands on the sick, because I think that is the call on everyone's life, but some of you are going to be called to go start justice initiatives, and it's the same Spirit of God that does that, that does the, the power of God. So we need him. It's oppo- the, the, the Spirit of God is opposed to Satan's kingdom and his ways. Do you want to add it? Good. Um, but, uh, my third point, the Holy Spirit points us to truth. I'm going to go over this quickly. 
John 16, 13 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For we will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. So just as a simple thing, the Holy Spirit reveals more what's in the Scripture. We, I don't think we can understand Scripture properly without the Holy Spirit. We can know... We, history has shown us that you can know a lot about the Bible but miss the Spirit. The Pharisees are one of them. They knew every line upon line, but they missed when Jesus was standing right in front of them. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through Scriptures. He speaks to us in visions, dreams, and prophetic words. These are all, what, these are all of God. Here's the thing. God will never say something to you or call you to do something that contradicts His Word, ever. He'll never say like a husband or was, let's just say boyfriend and girlfriend, they say, you know, I just really feel that we don't need to get married. Just like God is telling me that. No, God's not telling you that. That's someone else telling you that and it's not God. That, what the Holy Spirit confirms what's in God's word. He's, a, he's the Holy Spirit. He leads you to a life of holiness. I've had people come and speak to me and say, you know, I feel God say that we don't need to be part of the local church. That's not God speaking to you. It's not. It's a different spirit. That's when we need to test. That's actually when we come back to what that the spirit leads us into all truth, what God speaks into our hearts. And it's good to be, if you get a prophetic word from someone or if you, and, and, it's, and it resonates with you, bounce it off other people. There's, 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 there's wisdom in doing that. We can, we've had people speak over us who we know haven't spoken of the spirit of God and we've rejected those words and that's okay. But that's, don't let a bad experience uh, move you away from the real. And then the, the final thing, the Holy Spirit should cause us to love God and people more. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us. John seven thirty eight. whoever believes in me and Jesus, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus fills us with the Spirit so we can see other people's lives changed. It's an overflow with what's in our heart. It comes in. God changes our heart. He, he, he helps us walk away from sin. He leads us into holiness. He gives us boldness. He causes us to do incredible things that we never thought were possible. But then He also causes us to see a change in other people's lives. And He gives us tools, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, to do that. And I started the meeting with saying, pointing to yourself, you say, I've got a gift. We have all been given a, a gift from God. And, uh, and I think... We've, we've done different courses over the years of people discovering their gifts, but God has almost given, if you look at the Greek there, it's like a supernatural ability. It's something that you can, that you operate in that is beyond yourself. Let me give you a quick example and then start. You can read some stuff. Just a scripture that I was going to read. But uh, a couple of months ago, I was, it was about October last year, I was sitting on the couch and I felt the Spirit of God just start to prompt me and I started to speak stuff out in faith and uh, just radical stuff. As I was saying it, started, started, she says, Dan, I'm being filled with the Spirit. I can feel He's here. He's, he's, he's bringing an anointing to what you're saying. So I thought, God, if you're on this, I'm going to keep speaking it out. That is called the gift of faith. It's happened once or twice in my life, maybe twice, and I'm like, God, that's amazing. Sometimes God will give you gift of faith for other things. You may, Rom's had words of knowledge for people where he starts to speak into their lives and almost read their lives like a book. That's that is not through Rom's own ability. That's the Spirit of God who works in and for him for the greater good. And um, for me, I think what God wants to do today in people's hearts is, first of all, come refresh us. If you look at the Old Testament, the, the, the Holy Spirit is described as rain, wind, fire, 
it was described as oil. When, when the priests were anointed to do a task, they, they used to rub oil into, into themselves. There was, there was an anointing from God that came to do the task. And God has not called us to run this thing alone. I love that, that, that video we watched. We are called to have the Holy Spirit who walks alongside us, who highlights scriptures, who changes our lives, who causes us to become more like Jesus, more in love with Jesus. Andre, Michelle, can you come up and start playing? Just I want to finish off with the scripture that we can read together. Um, in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say, Jesus Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but in the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Don't you want to know what your special ability is? The spiritual gift that has been uh, placed within you. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. We need that in that church, in this body. We need someone with the gift of wisdom to come and help us counsel people that are needing direction. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit, and still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, and he alone decides which gift each person should have. Can we all stand, please? We cannot talk about Holy Spirit, who is our friend, there's a guy that wrote a book called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And I think we need to, in a, in a, in a sense, get back to that in our hearts and just say, recognize his role in our lives. He's sometimes working in your life and you don't even know it, even if you don't acknowledge who he is. And we, can, we don't have to be afraid. He exalts the living king. 